All right. Hey, everyone. This is Charlie Levine with the English Journal podcast brought to you by English Journal magazine. And today we are joined by Captain Benny Blanco, who's been a, a, a guy down in South Florida, really, really well known guy. And if you follow him on social media, you see he really cares about the habitat and the fishery and his fellow captains. And I'm just uh, stoked to have you on the show, Benny. I know you've been very busy since the hurricane, Hurricane Ian came through. Um, how have you been holding up, man? How are things? Thank you so much for having me, Charlie. I'm uh, honored to be here. And yes, I've been busy, but I'm busy all the time anyways. Um, you know, this this effort to try to change the culture in this industry and put conservation first has been a nonstop battle for years. Uh, the hurricane just added, you know, a whole layer of um, physical and emotional stress that, that I don't think anybody's ever really prepared for. Um, although uh, I have talked about it quite a bit recently, you know, I went through Andrew when I was a kid and um, I, you know, my entire life, I thought you know, that was terrible and that no one should ever go through that. But it absolutely prepared me for what I saw three weeks ago and what we've been dealing with since. And, um, and so I'm very grateful that I went through that at a young age. I was uh, 16, 17 and, um, you know, getting over there and seeing what I saw. I don't think anybody should ever have to see that stuff. I don't think anybody should ever have to live through that stuff. But um, none of it stopped us. We, you know, the, the entire Captains for Clean Water crew went right into search and rescue mode and, and relief mode and supply mode. And now we're in fundraising mode to try to you know, provide conditional support over there. It's, um, it's been a nonstop. I mean, it really feels like it's been one day, one full day completely, but it's been three weeks and it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, you know, I live in Florida too, and we've all been through our share of storms and it's always terrifying. You're watching those spaghetti models and you know, wherever it's, a, and it's like a flip of a coin, really. It's like, right. and, and wherever it hits, it just, you know what to expect, but I, you know, seeing the imagery and stuff coming out of Fort Myers, it's just, you know, and I have a lot of friends there too. It's been, uh, it's been tough to watch. And then, you know, reading the posts that you put up and captains put up, you know, all the Yeti coolers, you guys got together, the gas cans, the generators. I mean, it's just, I really admire what you guys are doing. Um, I mean, how, I just, how did you pull it all together so fast? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I could accurately describe, uh, you know, obviously none of us did it to, so that we'd be in a position to talk about how great it was. Um, it was just a need that, you know, when you get in, into that scenario and you seeing people who literally lost everything and they're in such shock that they can't even comprehend where they are, what day it is or anything. And all you want to do is help them. And unfortunately, everywhere you looked, there were thousands. So it, there was no time to contemplate how or why or what, or if I was losing business, if I was not answering my clients' phone calls, it was just, we had to go into complete help mode. And um, very fortunately, the entire team and our, our community, God, I mean, our community just didn't hesitate. I mean, we had, we, if you, anywhere you look on social media, there's someone doing a fundraiser somewhere, an auction, a raffle, every fly shop, every, top guide every you know every brand stepping up and you know um it, it you know if you ever go to a boat ramp on a saturday and you see how how crazy humanity has gotten um and you kind of lose hope a little bit then you something like this happens and 
everything is restored. You know, everybody stepping up is pretty dang, pretty dang awesome. It really is heartwarming to see, I guess that's sort of the silver lining of these, these events, even on a local level, you know, it's like you meet your neighbors, everybody doesn't have power, you're outside, you're helping each other clean up or, you know, running extension cords and pulling off somebody's generator, you know, you just sort of get together and, and it has been amazing year after year after year, the fishing industry steps up for its brothers. It's, it's probably the, one of the coolest parts about working in this world. For sure. When, when there's a natural disaster, there's no stretch of the imagination to say that the first people on the ground are the guides. I mean, the outdoor industry just jumps. We've, we deal with adversity regularly. Mm -hmm. We know the water better than anybody else. And um, I think a guide, a captain in general is just someone who wants to take control of the situation and help people. And, and um, you know, situations like this, absolutely. I, we identify with the problem and solve it as fast as possible. The other um, incredible thing that just furthers your point is, um, you know, I've spent three weeks on the ground over there and going door to door and helping people and not a single person asked what your political affiliation was, not a single person asked what color you were, what race you were, what, what you know, gender you were, you know, no one, no one cared. Every, all anyone cared was, are you okay? Can I help you? Is there anything you need? And um, that's just, it's a special time. It's a terrible time, you know, witnessing what we witnessed but it's 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 a special time when when people are just coming together for people it's pretty awesome yeah i think it's it's almost like mariner's law right like you can't just leave a boat out there <laughs> you got to help that guy even if he's a total jerk it's like all right i'll throw you a line and pull you in right. and sort of i guess we're brought up that way when you spend time on the water you just have to help each other yep there's um, no doubt you don't you never leave anyone behind well, let's talk about you for a sec, Benny. So you grew up in Miami, right? I, or Naples I, or Homestead? Did, Where are you uh, from? I grew up in, in Kendall, which is okay. a suburb of Miami and um, spent uh, all my life, all, all my young life before I, I had access to boats, you know, at every canal and lake in Miami. And that's where I fell in love with, with the water and fishing. And it was an escape from, you know, the hustle and bustle of Miami and, and school and sports and and uh, I from the very early age maybe five I realized you know I, I just wanted to be on the water I, I understood that calling I didn't know where it would lead me I just knew that I at every opportunity I needed to be on the water um, and I didn't grow up in a community that that fished um, in fact most of my family didn't fish my stepfather fished a little bit and uh, he loved it but you know he had other responsibilities so it was he was my my initial conduit and um i, I drove him crazy pretty early on because i just needed to be there um and then uh my, when i was probably nine or ten no eight or nine i was introduced to the everglades and you know my entire life changed i, I didn't want to be anywhere else i didn't want to do anything else um i loved baseball i loved school um but everywhere I was, I wanted to be in the Glades. All I could think about was the Glades. And, um, uh, I, you know, again, coming from a community that didn't really know, understand fishing or even understand that guiding was a, an, op, uh, an actual option for occupation, I didn't have an example to look up to. Mm -hmm. um, my examples, my life revolved around that Sunday morning watching the, you know, watching Flip and, and then eventually Jose um, talk about the places that were literally right down the street from where I was and that I had never seen. 
And um, that's where, that's where I just, I knew that I had to do, I had to follow their footsteps. Wow. So as a kid, did you just start like going camping in the Everglades and bringing some fishing rods or just kind of bushwhacking around? How, how did it all start? I wish that happened. Um, you know, uh, I was, I cut my teeth in the Everglades the first couple of times when I was super young. And, and then when I, when I hit my teenage years, I had more access because I had friends with boats and uh, uncle with a boat and um, I started to interject myself into the outdoor industry as much as I possibly could and absorb everything I could um, and it wasn't necessarily a welcome situation um, in South Florida in Flamingo and Everglades National Park it's it's a, it's through Homestead and back then um, not that it was that long ago I'm, I'm 46 so it's not that long ago but um, you know I was a little brown kid in a in a farming community and it wasn't necessarily welcome and um and then in general in uh, in the guiding world new guides aren't welcome so um it was a it was a tough road but but again i go back to sunday mornings and i see jose who looked like me looked like my uncle you know on the tv and he was having no issue and um and so i identified with him and realized that um that a there was absolutely a space for a little hispanic kid from miami and, um, and that I just, that I had to just force myself through the negatives, through the hurdles to build a career there. And um, it didn't get any easier, but, uh, but man, I, as soon as I got a taste of the ability to make a living you know, on the water in the glades, I, I mean, I was 190% in. Wow. That's, you know, we're, we're trying to change that, right? I mean, even on the, in the magazines, we're much more aware of trying to photos of everybody in there men women you know white people black everybody and um I, I could imagine how difficult that is there's a lot of uh stupid thinking in certain parts of florida and stuff um i guess you just kept your head down and just kept fishing and tried to drown out the noise i'm a i'm a stubborn individual in general you know and and everyone in my family told me i was crazy too so it wasn't like that was the first no um my grandmother early on was my biggest fan and she went out maybe when I was five because I was a fishing all the time. She called me, she would refer to me as her captain. She'd say, Oh, captain, my captain. And that's, that's been my, um, that's been my driving force since the beginning. Um, if, if, if I can make my grandmother believe I can make anybody believe. And, oh, that's um, so cool. I, I, you know, I don't want to harp on it too much, but absolutely having representation matters. Um, if Jose didn't have that show, I absolutely wouldn't be in this marine industry. There's no doubt. And I spoke with him about it um, prior to him passing. And, um, you know, one thing he said to me, which stuck, and I, I absolutely make sure I tell every young kid who thinks that they can't do it, no matter what their denomination is. Um, he said that, um, what did he say? If, if it bothers you, then that means that you love it. If, hmm. if someone tells you no, that means yes. If, if there are people talking about you, then you're doing something right. So build on those, build on that, make it your character that you don't let that stop you and, um, and build on it. And, and I mean, that's exactly what I did. Um, happy to say that I didn't listen to anyone that I forced myself into the industry. And um, now I don't know how it happened, but I am in a position to help people get past those things to, to be better stewards, to, to stand up 
for the water and the land that they love. And um, uh, I absolutely hear myself telling Jose about all this stuff and him saying, you're doing good. And I just, you know, for me, it's, it's like, it's, I feel like it's, it's more than a calling. I think, I I think it's, um, I think it was a, it was a a mission that maybe he instilled in me back when I was a kid and we talked about it. That is amazing. He was a really wonderful man, you know, soft-spoken guy, but tough, right? A super, (laughs) not somebody you'd want to, um, cross but i don't think he really had many enemies or anything you know i knew him sort of and then he and i were on a group trip down to the dominican republic where we did some humanitarian work we helped uh we helped some people build houses who lost their homes in a flood and got to know some of these locals and he was just jose you'd see him out there playing soccer with these little dominican you know teenagers and stuff and then I admit I was totally starstruck every time I was around him, but he was, um, I think he was very well aware of those sorts of things. And that's, that's so cool to hear that you guys had that relationship. And, and I know flip Two has been a big one for you. Right. And I just saw you and flip um, auctioning a trip together or, or co-trips. And I was just like, wow, that that's gotta be pretty amazing for you. I love flip. You know, he was, um, he was the, the first show that I absolutely aligned myself with. And um, I, I attribute all of my awareness for conservation to him. Um, I don't think many people will understand that back then he was preaching about conservation. He was by, by stopping the fishing aspect of every show and identifying how beautiful the places he was in, um, admiring them, making sure that you understood how special they were. That's that's a step in conservation. That's 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 not a, a not placing of emphasis on the number of fish you caught or or the, how big how deep the cooler was or or you know how great dinner was because last night because you killed fourteen tuna. It was all about how beautiful the place was and how special it was and how important it was to his life. And I started looking at all the places that were around me the same way. And so you know that and that's exactly why. Um, when I fell in love with the Everglades and Florida Bay and, and then I watched it perish in 2015, I watched all the grass die in Florida Bay. I, you know, it wasn't, there was never a stop question. Should I speak up? It was this place is special. We absolutely are blessed to have it and we have to fight to save it. There was no question. It was instilled in me by flip on those shows on Sunday morning. So Jose gave me the, you know, the courage to fight, to be in this industry flip instilled that conservation message and um i I feel so fortunate to have relationships have had relationships with both of them um and and, you know flip is flip is still flip he's still that guy that wants to save everywhere he's just you know he's he's older and he's been fighting for a long time and it's a, a difficult situation it's hard for him to be interject himself in places now so when this happened with the hurricane, um, he texted to, to check on me because he knew I was in the middle of the war zone and he knew that I was going to go through some emotional roller coasters over there. And um, I immediately, I was, you know, I was in search and rescue mode. So, and the hurricane went through his area as well. And he was dealing with water heights. And so I asked how he was doing. He said, he's great and not to worry about him, but he wanted to help somehow. And I got off, I got off the phone with him and continued helping. And I was like, you know, let, let's let me in, include him in the efforts to, to do something. And, and before I could even get the full sentence out to him, he was like, yes, let's do it. You know, whatever you want. And my initial request was let's just do a bonefish day in Biscayne. 
And in the time it took me to drive from the West Coast to the East Coast to go to his house to record that video, he had already arranged a second airboat and said, you know, we're going to add a second day on there and I'm going to call this person and that person. And we're going to make it something special so that we can raise some real dollars. And within like eight hours, we'd raised 12 grand. Um, wow. And then, you know, again, the power of the outdoor community under understanding a need and people in need and not leaving them behind and doing the right thing. And he's been, he's been the example for 45 years now and um, continues to do that. Yeah, it's so cool. And, you know, and you're doing it, you're doing it too, whether you realize it or not, you know, there's all these new people on social media that were never, we were never able to reach before, you know, I feel like, yeah, we're in magazine production. Yeah, you've been on television shows. And, but this social media, it's, it's really, these are the times where I see the good in it. There's, there's definitely some negative stuff that flies around, but it's really cool that you can, um, pick up all that stuff you learned from those guys and you're doing exactly what they did. They pass it on to you and you're passing it on to other folks and your daughters and stuff. I, I just admire the hell out of it, man. It's really cool. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate that. I, I, I would very much like to talk about social for a second. I, I, um, you know, I completely understand the argument that social's negative. I, I understand all the arguments there. Um, and I lived through that. And initially I was, I forced myself into social because it's a, it was a business event. It's, it's my business. It's how I, I, I built my name and, and, and generated business for myself. And it honestly, it fed my family for years. Um, but around 2015, when that water issue happened in Florida Bay and we lost the grass, I quickly transitioned my social media presence into a, a, a method to reach people and focused on building it for that, that reason. And um, I apologize to the people who watch me on social all the time because I am I am I get on that soapbox like all the time, um, but it's 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 how I how we reach people and yeah um, and there are times when I'm like you know this is a waste of time I'm you know social's bad I, I don't know what I'm doing and then I I go to, I I reach out and ask for help and it happens or I just spent three days in Charleston uh, at the AFTA Industry Summit. Um, American Fly Fishing Trade Association Summit. And I, I managed the guide seminars with Hillary Hutchison, who's a, who's a dear friend. And every single young guide in there was doing the right thing already because they watched us on social media. It blew my mind. I, you know, <clears throat> the, Hillary and I both were caught in very emotional situations because we, we're doing the same. We're, we're, we're fighting for these things and trying to set the example and speak up and, and give give it, give a, uh, an opportunity for kids to look at someone and actually follow them and be doing the right thing without being told or scolded for doing the wrong thing. And, um, and we were all around, all of a sudden surrounded by kids who already knew what were up, what was up. You know, this one shot was one kid, um, he's a brand new guy in Charleston. His name is Dylan Barker. And um, he raised his hand, a another, Another ref refreshing change was that he stood up and said, <clears throat> I'm a first year guide. I'm a rookie. And you, you go anywhere else in any guide community anywhere, no one admits they're a rookie. They, they immediately say they've been guiding for 50 years and they're better. <laughs> this kid stood up and said, I'm a rookie and I, I just want to learn and I want to do the right thing. And, and so I, I grilled him further and I, I asked him, you know, what, what's your, what's your thought on on catch and release, you know, what do you think? He's, oh, no, sir, I, I don't keep any fish. Uh, you know, the, the game fish that we target are, are, 
are precious and we need them for our business. And I said, so why, why do you do that? He goes, well, I need them for my business, but why, why do you do that? And after like 10 answers that you already know the answers to, he said, because of you, because, oh my of, gosh. because of Hillary, because That's so cool. Because I watch you guys and I, and I, and I want to be good. I want to do the right thing. And so it, you can have a year of, you know, wondering whether you're doing the right thing or, or whether speaking up is the right thing or using your social for that stuff is the right thing. And then one kid, one rookie kid validates your entire existence in one sentence. And so um, I get questioned all the time, you know, why are you speaking up? Why are you spending all your time not on the water? Why are you doing these things? And, and that kid, that's why. That's that kid. That's really, really, that must've felt so good, you know? Mm -hmm. Not just on a personal way, but like, wow, these young people get it. Mm -hmm. And and I see it too. Like, you know, a lot of people make the claim like, oh, we got to get our kids off all these gaming things and phones. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be honest, though. I mean, have you ever invited a kid fishing and they said no? Like, it rarely ever happens. If you ask a kid, hey, you want to go fishing? They're like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think the drive is there. And, you know as a parent, like I'm guilty of giving the kid the phone when I just need a minute, but, but sure. we just got to get them just, just throw the invite. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we all went through this pandemic in 2020 and, um, people were stressed they couldn't go to the mall. They couldn't go to the gaming center. They couldn't go to baseball fields. They couldn't do anything. And, and millions of people found the outdoors again. And, um, I found myself surrounded by a lot in the marine industry that were complaining about it. Like there's boats everywhere and there's people everywhere. And Oh my God. And I was like, you know, all I saw was opportunity. Um, we have new outdoorsmen that need to be taught and we have the means to teach them how to be good stewards and um, a, a bazillion children who were for the first time, not on their playstations and phones and, you know, hanging with their, their friends smoking behind the, the bleachers, you know, they were, they were outdoors and wanted to know more about fishing and, you know, the flats and, and the fish and, and hunting and woods. And, and as an outdoor, outdoor industry, we need to open our arms. and recognize that opportunity and teach them because, because we need more help. We need more advocates speaking up when we go to Tallahassee in February and fight against corruption, or, or we go to DC and have to explain to congressmen and senators who care nothing about the Everglades, why the Everglades is important. Um, we need, you know, we need, we have hundreds of thousands now, we need millions. And so those were, those were opportunities. And um, I, I, everywhere I look now, there are kids trying to get on in the water. They're trying to buy a fly rod, trying to understand what our culture is about. And um, uh, that was, that was so, so good. And um, at every opportunity, I, I tell all my guides and my friends, and, and I do it um, at every opportunity when there's a child, a child can be anyone younger than you, anyone younger than you shows interest in the outdoors. It's your responsibility to teach them how to do it, how to get out there and how to do it right. And if we did that more out of matter of principle, then we would have an army of advocates for every issue that we face around the country. Yeah. And it's fun. It, it like reignites the passion for me when I take a new person fishing and see the joy and excitement from catching, you know, could be anything, some little, a lady, whatever, <laughs> like they just get so worked up and it, it's, it's the best. It's the best. But 
Let, let's talk about the Everglades for a minute. So, I mean, it's no two days in the Everglades are the same. It seems like, I mean, I, I try to go once a year. Uh, you're there all the time. Um, I don't know. What is, what, what makes that place so magical? There's so many reasons. Um, the, for the reason you just mentioned, no two days are the same. Imagine if you could go someplace and literally be lost, get lost from civilization and have opportunity at every corner and the variables are always changing. The fish are always changing the, I mean, if you're an outdoorsman, it's heaven. I mean, there's, there's no greater, in my mind, there's no greater place on the planet because there's so much opportunity uh, for every style of fisherman. If you're a fly fisherman, you know, you can get lost in the glades for years and never fish the same water. If you're a bait fisherman, there's, I mean, there's big water and big fish and, um, but the, but I think the draw is that there's no civilization out there. There's no there's no concrete. There's no you you can go find your own deal and not have to fish a spot someone just fished an hour ago. Um, you don't have to deal with jet skis or pontoon boats or go fast boats, or you don't have mm -hmm. to deal with cruise ships or you know you can really be in nature and feel like you're on another planet and that's so rare these days we've done a, a pretty poor job as a you know as a human as the human race of protecting the places that give us life and being outdoors in places that where you can be away from civilization that's what that's what fuels life and so the everglades for me is just an ability to get lost and, yeah. and that's that's crucial it's almost like the ride out in the morning to wherever you're fishing is, is it's like just so beautiful and seeing the bird I mean, everything about it. And, you know, so not to get too in the weeds, but obviously you were talking about uh, all the grass being destroyed. And so our listeners know, you know, there's a lot of water flow issues. There's agriculture. There's all these other stakeholders and captains for clean water was formed in around that 2015 time and a bunch of guides got together and have been making a lot of inroads and in, in helping uh, to get the word out. Um, can you just give us sort of a quick update of how things are right now and, and some positivity, hopefully? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of positivity, thankfully uh, for years. There wasn't um, captains was formed out of the, the, the recognition of a need for a passionate voice in legislature. We've had science for decades, uh, why the water flow had to be you know, restored into the lower half of the Everglades, why we had to stop discharging from Lake Okeechobee. And there are different stakeholder groups that need water, there's no doubt. And unfortunately, the, you know, that, that phrase of draining the swamp was born here. Um, we drained the swamp in the name of progress 100 years ago so that we could farm, so that we could build houses. And we thought it was good and everybody had the good intentions. Unfortunately, redirecting water from the Everglades is is trying is, is an effort to re-engineer re mother nature. And, and there's proof that that doesn't work everywhere you look. And um, just now, we're now having all the, we're dealing with all the negatives of re-engineering mother nature. And so now we're fighting to put her back. And um, Captains was formed out of, out of that, that, that recognition of a need for a passionate voice. You know, anyone who's sat through a, a, a science seminar and understands that scientists, well, they can only give you the facts. They are not the persons, the people that tell you, give you a story. 
um, they're not going to make you want to love something. And um, so then you have scientists in Tallahassee and in DC explaining why we need to replay the water and the congressmen are asleep. They don't, you know, they don't understand it, but you take guides who built their entire lives around a watershed or, or a woods or uh, you name it and whose family depends on the health of that, that body of water or those woods. And you put them in front of a congressman who needs to understand why it's important and things change. Yeah. Um, not, Some of that meant- testimony was really moving um, like you and CA Richardson and all these folks getting up there and just saying like, no, you don't get it. I get it. I'm out there. I see right. it. Right. It was really, really moving stuff. Outdoorsmen and fishermen in general, we're, we're storytellers. I mean, that's, that's what we do every day. You know, man, you should have seen that fish we caught this morning. It was that big, you know, and you outstretch your arms, even though it was a five pound fish. It's we're, we're storytellers. And, you know, the, the only way to get people who've never experienced the water that we love to understand it at, at any level is to tell a story that they can relate to. And so you take fishermen who love something, whose, whose drive is passion to either save it or, or, to, or to do it more, and you put them in a situation where they can tell a story that people can relate to, that's, that's when things change. And there's, you know, there's no doubt that in the last six years, since Captain's inception, since the guide community standing up and speaking up, that that's when the change has happened. As a result, we, have, we now have a governor who, who won't move left or right without doing something for water. We have a, a water district whose entire panel is made up of water warriors. We have, we have smaller organizations popping up on every single watershed trying to do the right thing. And you have guides and hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen all across the country paying attention to everything we do and activating when we have a call to action. It's, it's because of us and uh, the progress is everywhere you look. We, we, for the first time in 22 years in Everglades Restoration, since, since the inception of the Everglades Restoration Plan in 2000, we've got ribbon cuttings. We have projects coming online. We have, we have water flowing in places that's never flowed. We have, uh, you know, we have record funding on the federal and state level. We have an Army Corps engineers that is scared of its own shadow if they don't prioritize the things that we care about. Um, we've got all the progress moving and uh, we have the special interests that are threatened by it on the ropes. And, and that's why you see, you know, these backdoor deals happening regularly. And so our, our, our constant focus, our focus constantly changes. You know, we, we go from engaging the community and, and talking about positive things to engaging the community and act, activating when those, those ridiculous things happen in Tallahassee and DC. And, um, but all of that is possible because guides are speaking up and because of the ability for through social media to reach millions of people. And so there is so much good in social media right now. And everywhere you look, you're seeing the results of it. Uh, it's encouraging. I, I definitely, if you're listening out there and you love fishing, you should uh, go over to captains for clean water on their website, join, wear the hat, put the sticker on your truck, show that you care, you know, go to Tallahassee, just stay informed and and tell your friends. I mean, it's, that's kind of how it's a grassroots effort and, you know, they've done it the right way. It's easy in those situations to just start fighting and getting swinging punches. And unfortunately you don't really get much done, but it's the passion. So they they've, you guys have figured out a way to like funnel the passion for good without going, 
you know, nuclear on somebody, which I'm <laughs> sure you've wanted to from time to time, but Man, if I had a dollar, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely all of our readers should go check that out. And if you're looking to go fishing in South Florida, Benny is the guy and uh, he will put you on fish. Um, it's just been so great talking with you today, Benny. I know you're busy. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time and um, hope to do some more with you and captains in the future. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you so much for using your platform to allow me to speak about it and, and for understanding what's going on and, and, um, and perpetuating the message. We, I mean, at, at every opportunity to, to spread the message, if we reached one person that hasn't heard about it, then it, I mean, every minute, every second was, was more valuable. So I, I appreciate it. I'm always available. Meet me, I'm there. Ah, that's the best, man. Thanks again. And tell the rest of the crew I said hello and uh, keep up the good work and we're happy to help however we can. I will. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, Benny. Signing off. Bye.